everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. Today, instead of doing Fantastic Fellows Friday, I decided to make today Fact-Finding Friday because there's so much going on. Um, the gentleman I was going to celebrate and talk about today, I'm going to move back to next Friday. And the reason why I'm talking about Fact-Finding Friday is because I intentionally have not been watching the news every day like I used to on purpose because it's kind of upsetting. But there were some things that were talked about the last couple of days and that I need to discuss today. So we're going to just talk about fact finding. And one of the things we're going to talk about today, I'm in the state of Georgia and a lot of people have heard that Georgia's legislature, the state legislature passed a new voting bill and it's called um, state well, Senate Bill 202. And this bill it is 98 pages and 53 sections. And it talks about the changes in the new Georgia voting laws. And they're basing everything on what we call in the legal field OCGA, which stands for Official Codes Georgia Annotated. And if you're not in the legal industry, you would have no idea of what this is. I use it all the time to quote laws. Um, but I want you guys to go and check it out. Of course, I'm not going to read all 98 pages. But what I did do, I did pull it up. And, you know, I was looking at all the redacted, um, all the redacted things in it. And I just want to go through a couple sections. And the one I pulled up is the one that has on it as past. You know, um, I really am just at all that people are not paying attention to the local elections and we're going to talk about that too i'm going to give out dates in georgia for voting where um people should not uh miss or overlook because as i mentioned last year when we were talking about the presidential election how important your local elections are and i want to focus on that and i'm calling this fact finding friday because there's so much misinformation out there i want you guys to start looking into the facts so what I did is I went and pulled this up and um, <clears throat> it's really interesting. I'm just going to read some of the sections that were changed and I'm going to tell you the section and the page number because the first section, and this is as past, so it's supposed to be exactly what it was. Now, the only thing is there were some that were underlined and I'm not really sure of the redaction is the way that we do in the legal field because the underline usually means added to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you all those as well because it, it looks like it's set up the way we would do it in a law firm. So the first part is under Section 3. Now, they added, this is the new uh, state bill, the Senate Bill 202 that changes the Georgia voting laws. I need you guys to pay attention to this so you understand that this election coming up all at the local level is very important because local people made these changes. So under Section 3, they've added um, paragraph E, which says, In the case of the state election board exercising its power under subsection F of Code Section 21233.1, the individual appointed by the state election board to exercise the power 
of election superintendent. So they done added positions in the election state election board to control the outcome pretty much. This is my opinion of <laughs> the election. Now check this out under section four. It said, said chapters further amended. Listen to what they're doing. They're amending things. So I'm going to tell you what, they're add, what they've added. Because I know no one's going to read these 98 pages. So I'm going to tell you what they're adding. They amended by revising code section 2123, which was previously reserved as follows. The attorney general shall have the authority to establish and maintain a telephone hotline for the use of electors of this state to file complaints and allegations of voter intimidation and illegal election activities. Such hotlines shall, in addition to complaints and reports from identified persons, also accept anonymous tips regarding voter intimidation and election fraud. The Attorney General shall have the authority to review each complaint or allegation of voter intimidation or illegal election activities within three business days or as expeditiously as possible and determine if such complaint or report should be investigated or protected. Now, that was added in, which is really interesting. And then under Section 5, where they're amending again, they're saying there is created, excuse me, there is created a state board. Now, look what they're creating. People need to pay attention to be known as the state election board to be composed of. Now, they redacted the secretary of state because that's what was in there. So they added a chairperson elected by the General Assembly. Now, the General Assembly obviously is, I'm just going to put it out there, a, the Republican Party trying to put their own person in because anyone who knew about the uh, elections in Georgia, the Secretary of State, who, was a who is a Republican, was intimidated by the former President Trump and all his other people in the White House to overturn the Georgia elections and the two Senate seats. So I need you guys to really kind of get out, especially in Georgia. Please get out and vote because look at what's happening. Now, listen to this under the same section. The chairperson that they just created now shall be elected by the General Assembly in the following manner. Check out what they're doing. A joint resolution which shall fix a, de a definite time for the nomination and election of the chairperson may be introduced in either branch of the General Assembly. Upon passage of the resolution by a majority vote of the membership of the Senate and House of Representatives, it shall be the duty of the Speaker of the House of Representatives. And this is all added to call for the nomination and election of the chairperson at the time specified in the resolution, at which time the name of the qualified person receiving a majority vote of the membership of the House of Representatives shall be transmitted to the Senate for confirmation. Upon the qualified persons receiving a majority vote of the membership of the Senate, he or she shall be declared a duly elected chairperson and the governor shall be notified of his or her election by the secretary of the state. Excuse me. Excuse me. By the secretary of the Senate. 
The governor is directed. Now, check this out. They done gave the governor, you know, they mad with Brian Kemp right now, too. He's a Republican governor. But listen to this. The governor is directed. Not asked or he, they're telling him. The governor is directed to administer the oath of office to the chairperson and to furnish the chairperson with a properly executed commission of office certifying his or her election. The chairperson of the board shall be nonpartisan. We know good and God darn well that ain't what they really mean because these are Republicans putting this together. They're trying to make sure if President Trump runs for re-election that the state of Georgia is given to the Republican Party. So that nonpartisan, in my opinion, from what I know, is not true. But this is what they added. At no time during his or her service as chairperson shall the chairperson actively participate in a political party organization or in the campaign of a candidate for public office, nor shall he or she make any campaign contributions to a candidate for public office. Furthermore, to qualify for appointment as chairperson in the two years immediately preceding his or her appointment, a person shall not be qualified as a partisan candidate for public office, participated in a political party organization, or the campaign of a partisan candidate for public office, or made any campaign contributions to a partisan candidate for public office. Now, you know good and darn well, as much as they want to say that, we know that ain't going to happen. Now, the term of office of the chairperson shall continue until a successor is elected as provided in paragraph one of the subsection in the event of a vacancy in the position of chairperson at a time when the General Assembly is not in session, it shall be the duty of the governor and the governor is empowered and directed to appoint a chairperson possessing the qualifications as provided in the subsection who shall serve as chairperson until the next regular section of the General Assembly, at which time the nomination and election of a chairperson shall be held by the General Assembly as provided in paragraph one of this subsection. Now, I know that was a lot. You might want to rewind and go back and, and listen to what I was saying. But I just need you guys to understand they are doing a lot in this bill. It's a lot. And I'm not going to read it all because it's a lot they done added. I mean, they have... <laughs> I see why it's 98 pages. They done changed all the rules. And anyone that's listening to this, tell your friends, family in Georgia, this is no joke. They can return Georgia back to the dirty South for real, for real. And if we don't go and participate this year in the local elections, we are going to really go back to <laughs> what they call Jim Crow. Because check this out. A lot of people didn't know, so I'm going to tell you in Georgia that the early elections, the day, you know, started this past Tuesday. So, you know, let me just give you some important election dates. October 11th was the earliest day for register to mail an absentee ballot. Now, these are the new dates based on the new this this uh, bill I just mentioned, the Senate Bill 202 in Georgia, October 12th, which was this past Tuesday is advanced absentee in person voting begins October 16th mandatory Saturday voting so this tomorrow you can go vote early if you want to I think I am going to now that I mention it October 17th 
optional Sunday voting. So, you know, the churches, they was complaining in Georgia how the churches was showing up in buses and buses to get the people out to vote. Come on, churches, do it again. Because we need to really, there's a lot of mayor um, elections coming up. There's a lot of uh, legislature, these same legislatures, uh, le legislative people, the Senate, the state Senate that passed this bill. See, go, go Google. I, I mean, I can give you the information, but I like to tell people to do their own research. Go Google who in the state of Georgia and your state. Let me just make it clear. I'm talking to the people in Georgia because that's where I am and I have the information, but I'm talking to people all over the country in the world if there's an election in your country because I know my show is heard in several countries. So I want to make it clear. Go and find out what voting uh, dates are in your city while well, your state and find out who's up for re-election because if your city and state is not running the way that you feel that it should be ran and you got people running it that are up for re-election i think it's time we need to be you know i'm moderate sometimes i'm progressive at sometimes as well but sometimes we just need to do what we need to do because as i have mentioned throughout the the episodes and the, throughout the last year one thing about this country at this very moment, people can deny it if they want to. There's a lot of division based on um, how people vote and not necessarily on their beliefs. I mean, some, of course, but not necessarily because I have friends. And like I tell everybody, I am an independent voter and I do vote Republican for some things, depending on what the person stands for, but predominantly a Democratic voter. But I want people to understand when you got someone who is controlling what happens to your everyday life, it shouldn't matter what party they, that you are registered in. You have to vote for who is doing what's in your best interest. I have a lot of friends that are Republicans and we talk about it all the time and I'm glad we can. And I have some that just are ignorant when it comes to this conversation. And I mean, they're educated in degree, but that don't mean you can't be ignorant because you got college education. We all know that. And they always say, I don't agree with this and that, but I'm a Republican, so I'm a supporter. And I'm like, really? Don't come on, you know, and, and, and that's the same thing that's happening with COVID, which we'll talk about later, because as I said, fact finding Friday, I want to talk about several things. And so let's just get this out the way, because I need people to know the dates in the state of Georgia. So as I mentioned, October 12th, this past Tuesday, advanced absentee in-person voting begins Saturday, tomorrow, you can do voting. There's some optional Sunday voting. So churches, get them buses out there. And especially for senior citizens and nursing homes, get them people out there to vote early. And October 22nd is the last day to submit an absentee ballot application for the November election. And y'all know they're trying to totally get rid of absentee ballots. So if you got an absentee ballot, you got until October 22nd to go on and submit it. October 23rd, once again, is a mandatory Saturday voting. And the 24th, that, you know, next Sunday, optional Sunday voting. And October 29th, October 29th is the last day to vote early in person. So for the state of Georgia, right before Halloween and trick or treat, you have to make sure if you want to vote in person, you got to do it before um, I mean, the last day is October 29th. And then, of course, the election is November 2nd. Now, for this November 2nd election, in-person early voting hours are now changed 
from to 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., which is ironic. And one of the complaints people had, because that's most people, depending on what you do for a living, that's the average work day and hours. It's voting from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Now, I know that some jobs allow you two hours before you come in or just two hours in your work time with pay to vote. But of course, that depends on your job because we know a lot of jobs don't pay you for nothing if you're off. If you're off, you lose pay. So that's why for those people that are in that position, you might want to consider Saturday and Sunday early voting. And that starts tomorrow. But they were saying, this is from the AJC where I got all this information. They were saying individual counties in Georgia can keep the previous 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. hours if they wish. Now, see, here's the thing. How are you going to make it mandatory pretty much 9 to 5, but some counties can have the exception if they want to? That's where the problem, the fact finding comes in because you guys got to do research because this said contact your county registrar to see if in-person early voting hours have changed for you. That's what it says. So this is why I wanted to call today fact finding Friday because I need you guys to go and do some research and find out what is going on in your area so that you can vote because it is going to be very, very different. You know, the same article talks about how most vo voters will experience Georgia's new voting law for the first time when they cast their ballots in races for the mayor and the city council across the state. Early voting hours will change in some counties. Absentee voting comes with more stringent ID requirements and deadlines. Ballot drop boxes will be limited. So, with this being said, if you got an absentee ballot, you're going to have to find out in advance where those drop boxes are. Because as we saw in the 2020 election, they literally in some states, and I'm going to put it out there, they were all Republicans that did this. They were moving. We saw video. They were physically picking up the drop boxes and taking them, putting them on the truck so you couldn't even find it because it wasn't there. So this is serious. And we're getting ready to experience these laws this year. You know, and I really, really do think that people need to pay attention because this local stuff, it does affect your everyday life. Now, the national stuff may not, even though sometimes, depending on what it is, it will. This does, you know, and it was saying that this fall's elections are a test of the voting laws passed by the General Assembly in March. And the 98-page law, which I mentioned, Senate Bill 202, alters many parts of Georgia election systems, including voting access, security, transparency, ballot counting, and runoffs. So, voters in Georgia, please, I can't say it enough, please pay attention, please in advance, in advance, I'm going to say it again, in advance, in advance, do your research and figure out how you're going to vote so you can prepare for it. As I mentioned, the ballot boxes, if you're doing absentee ballots, guess what? They're going to make it so hard for you to find them. So try to find them in advance. So you don't have to be the person that is, uh, you don't have to be the person that's running around trying to figure out how you can cast your ballots. You know, um, for a lot of people, early voting location hours and sample ballots are available online on the state's My Voter page. And um, you can go to my voter page at www.m 
is in Mary, V is in Victor, P is in Paul, dot SOS dot GA dot gov. So, and it also makes it clear that voters must cast ballots in the counties where they're registered. So, in other words, if you're in Gwinnett County and you happen to have an absentee ballot and you just be, happen to be visiting someone in Clayton County, got your ballot in your purse and see a drop box, you can't just say, oh, you know what? Before I forget, let me put this in the ballot box so that my vote count because guess what's going to happen? They're going to say you fraudulently voted or, you know, they're, go they're looking for all that. So if you are doing an absentee ballot, you cannot drop it off in a drop box that is not in your county. So keep that in mind, everyone. And that's really all I want to say about that. But I wanted to make a lot of today's episode about voting because it's very important. But I want to talk about something else that I happened to see on MSNBC earlier this week. And it was it was about uh, mask and the virus because everybody keep acting like the virus is not there. But it's actually um, maybe people aren't dying more, but it's getting worse. But I'm really wondering if people are dying more and we're not hearing about it. And I'm going to tell you something. Do your fact checking on this. Because, see, this is fact finding as well. One of my friends um, told me yesterday which was Thursday that um, her husband, four of her husband's co-workers have died every day this week. And all four of them were under, I think, 40, and they were not vaccinated. So when I heard that, I said, let me do this episode on this woman in Florida who has been threatened. And um, they did an interview on her. Her name is Jennifer, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little more about her. But I want y'all to hear the interview she did on Morning Joe this week and about her life and her family's life being threatened because she is encouraging people to wear masks. Um, I think this is for school and um, people are threatening their family and their life. But you know what? I'm not saying what you should do regarding the vaccination. If you don't want to get the vaccine, at least wear the mask. But people don't want to do neither. They don't want to wear the mask. They don't want to distance. They don't want to um, get the vaccine. So I don't know. You know, I went to the doctors on Wednesday and me and my doctor are very good, like personal friends. And we were talking and she mentioned to me how one of her patients came in and told her jokingly, and I'm just going to put it out there. She was a privileged Karen. She told her jokingly, and my doctor is black female. I'm going to put that out there too. That she literally, while she was sitting in the exam room, had COVID and didn't tell them in advance. And it was it was just crazy. I'm not even going to talk about more. But the fact that she thought it was funny. And like my friend, the doctor said, it wasn't funny at all because she was putting not only her and her staff at risk, she was putting the hospital at risk and she thought it was a joke. And we were talking about how on the news you keep seeing people almost dying to uh, in the hospitals and then they want to shop when they think they're going to die. And it's too late. You trust the scientists and the doctors when you're dying, but before then you don't trust them. So, you know, there's this woman in Florida. I want y'all to hear this interview with her. Her name is Jennifer. And this is why I wanted to do this, both of these in the Fact Finding Friday, because I want people to just do their own research. Find the facts. Don't go by even the news or even me. Do your own research with Google. You can find out anything. So, 
check out this woman in Florida and how her wanting to keep people safe by wearing masks, her life and her family's life, life has been threatened. So we need to find out the facts regarding COVID and masks and do better. Thank you so much for having me. We have acted as a majority of our board to have a mask mandate in place. There is no parental opt-out. There is only a medical opt-out option, which I'm assuming some of you might be aware of. That it is a controversial issue here in the state of Florida. Uh, currently, we are uh, making a decision about how to respond to a letter we received from the Florida Department of Education that is... Uh, telling us they're going to withhold our pay uh, because we made that decision. We currently don't have any vaccine mandates, and to be honest with you, that's not a conversation we're even, even having, even remotely at this point. Why not? You know, um... I don't, I don't even, I don't even know why. I think we have just been so overwhelmed with the overwhelming amount of, uh, of hate and vitriol for something as simple as a cloth mask to be put over our students and staff's face to keep them safe. We haven't even had time to process any other important things or business that we should be doing as a school board organization to, to help our students in, in every single area. Um, it's, it's really difficult to deal with and uh, it's really frustrating that we can't govern and do the things that we need to do because all we have to do is focus on people who are against a mask mandate. How long have you been on the school board? Have you ever confronted a situation like this? Has the school board functioned normally in the past? So I am coming up on almost a year of being sworn into the school board. And unfortunately, this has been my experience since the day I was sworn in. Uh, I defeated a well-known Republican incumbent who uh, couldn't let that defeat go, created an organization that had uh, spread information to their members that... Um, I, their disdain for me is something that should be their hyper-focus and the disdain for the things that I care about and that I support should be the hyper-focus of their conversation. And from that moment on, the day I was born in, things have only got worse. It just jumped from topic to topic, from our LGBTQ guidelines to allegations of CRT in our schools and, of course, the back and forth of the mask mandate. Jennifer, good morning, and thanks so much for being with us this morning to tell your story. I think the reason your remarks the other day resonated is because so many of us with kids know who you are. We know the people who raise their hand and run to serve on school boards or serve on the PTA. People want to get involved beyond the scope of their daily jobs. If you could just explain a little bit about why you decided to run for that school board. I know you're a speech pathologist. Your husband is a teacher. You're both educators in your own right. Why did you want to raise your hand and serve there? Yeah, I mean, you said it really well. I'm professionally and personally invested in public education. I'm an educator myself. My husband's a teacher. And we have a five-year-old little girl who started kindergarten this year. So um, we are beyond invested in public education. And here at Florida, we were fighting for fair teacher compensation. And a really strong passion of mine is equity across the district. I want to ensure that all of our students have access to the same opportunities and, and success. Unfortunately, uh, in my campaign, I, I was sidetracked with COVID and conversations about COVID, uh, but it was important. I was proud to be there, to be a voice for our students and our staff and our community to ensure that there's somebody there who really, really cares about the fact that we need to keep our students and our staff safe.
So where does this go, Jennifer, from here? Obviously, you're not alone. This is a scene that's played out at school board meetings across the country. Parents coming in angry, screaming about critical race theory, screaming about having to wear masks, screaming about the prospect of uh, potentially mandates for vaccines for kids when those become available and safe. So how do you see this resolving itself if you do? If I'm being honest, honestly, at this point, I, I don't necessarily see a, a resolve. It, it's really frustrating where our community has gone. You know, I was elected to keep students and staff safe. And because I'm doing the job I was elected to do, I have become a target for normalized coordination of attacks and threats. And, and you're absolutely correct. It goes from topic to topic. And, you know, when there's no consequences for the actions of a minority of voices, that becomes normalized and it becomes acceptable. And, and that's a problem. And, and I've said it before, but, you know, this is this is our new pandemic, not only here in the state of Florida, but across the nation. And unfortunately, our school board members, our local elected officials and and sometimes our educators are now at the face of this. So, Jennifer, you are a perfect living example of uh, what it means to get actively involved in local politics. People are always urging people, get involved, do your part, you know, help the country, help your state or your community. You've done that. And the result has been what you've discussed uh, here to this morning and earlier on the clip that we played. Your family has been terrorized. You've been threatened multiple times. Would you ever run again? And who do you blame for this? Um, you know, it's, this has been really difficult for me. It has been really difficult for my family. It has been difficult for me to navigate how to continue to be a strong presence in the community for people who support me to know that I, I am there and I won't back down for them while also managing all of the things that have been happening to my family and, and my family members who support us, you know, their emotions and, and, and dealing with that. You know, I never want the people who are doing these horrible things to me to see that it is affecting me. Um, but I am a human being. It is affecting me. I am a mother. It is affecting my daughter. Um, but I will never back down on my conviction, convictions. It's not who I am as a person. It's, it's never been who I was. And all of these things that they are doing to me and my family are just making me stronger and making me just stay in tr to my truth and my convictions. And so, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to give up. And uh, whether or not I'm going to run for a school board seat again, I mean, that's three years from now. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but, but I'm not opposed to it. This does not deter me. I'd say run again or run for something else, and uh, we'd be happy to be here for you. Brevard County School Board Member Jennifer Jenkins, thank you for uh, coming on today, and thank you for your service. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, guys. Now, you have to admit, Jennifer Jenkins was very bold and uh, brave to go on MSNBC and do this interview. But it's very important that you guys pay attention. And I was glad that someone in this um, interview mentioned what I had been saying all along, how important the local elections are. Because here's the thing. It's okay to disagree with things. But the fact that people are being threatened, their lives, their family is being changed because someone doesn't believe in what someone else believes in. And keep in mind, she's just trying to keep everybody safe. If you don't want to get the vaccine, at least get the mask, wear the mask. I mean, I think that if everybody did what they were supposed to do, no matter who they believed in politically, we would be back to normal or close to normal. And now we seem to be getting worse. And with the fall coming up, 
it's just getting ready to get crazy. So everybody, if you can, if you don't want to get the vaccine, at least get masked up and social distance. We got Halloween, Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. So all I can say is I wanted to make this fact finding Friday because I wanted people to realize how important local voting is. And how important it is to just be a little more civil to the uh, people that are elected, such as this woman in Florida, regarding policies that are designed to protect our children. So I um, will get back to Fantastic Fellows Friday because I'm excited about the person I want to talk about. But with this happening in this current, there was actually something else I wanted to add to this fact-finding Friday. But I don't want to extend the episode too long. So I'm going to end it with this. And I want everybody to have a safe weekend. And remember, always do your own research and find out the facts for yourself. Well, guys, this will end this episode, and I hope that the information that you received is inspiring, uplifting, and informative. As I always say, follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. We are also now on Instagram, and forgive me because I'm still trying to learn Instagram, but we are, we are on Instagram also at Advocacy Ladies. And you can follow us on many of the podcast apps. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Alexa TuneIn, and of course, my hosting podcast company, Podbean. If you have any questions or subjects you want us to look into, give us a call. We're at 404-855-7723, or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com. And you know my favorite question is, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.